Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls, back for the 19th time. Episode number 19 this week, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you guys all for coming back and tuning in. I appreciate all you guys listening, and if you don't mind, let's talk that housekeeping real quick while we're talking. We got, uh, if you guys could comment, rate, review, share, tell your friends, tell your family. Let everybody know about it. Old Wall's house. It's the place to be. So yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Got a, got another solo show this week here. Uh, we'll have more people, more guests back on. Just happened to work out that this is uh, going to be just another solo. So going to be talking some fights. Had a, a good undisputed title match in boxing. There was a, a UFC event we'll touch on briefly. We got the Byron Nelson in the golf world. PGA Championships next week. We had some NBA and NHL playoffs happening there was a a schedule release in the nfl some other nfl news and as always my passing thoughts are coming up so again thank you guys so much i appreciate all you and let's get to it okay over in the fight game we had a fun fight this weekend jermel charlo went up against brian castano to become the undisputed champion at 154 pounds And this was a rematch from July of last year, which was also a really good fight. A little bit of a controversial decision. I know you're shocked to hear that, a controversial decision in boxing. But many thought Castano probably got the win there and caught a couple bad scorecards. So they decided they were going to do it again. A little controversy on the way up to this. Castano delayed the fight due to a bicep injury. The Charlo camp, Jermel Charlo himself, called him out and said that He didn't think that was the case, and he was just, you know, basically needed more time to lose weight to get down to the 154-pound limit, light middleweight, super welterweight, whichever you'd like to call it. So a a lot of, you know, back and forth early before the fight even got officially set a date, after the date got set, and then they had to change the date. So bad blood coming here. But, man, this was a good (laughs) fight. Like, action back and forth. There's always a saying in fights, styles make fights. And these guys had styles that matched up to make a great fight. Charlo has a little more power, likes to use his counter shots a little bit. Castano, not as powerful, but likes to just come in and put it on you. Put lots of shots, lots of pressure, can kind of squeak in. And he was doing this throughout the fight. He was squeaking in a right hand that all of a sudden it just kind of get over the guard and bam, right on him. But uh, trading blows. They threw over a thousand punches combined. Um, just a just a really fun fight to watch. And Jermel Charlo wins with a big tenth round knockout. Gets him with a perfectly placed left hook right on the chin. Castano ends up getting up from it, staggering around. Can't believe the ref let it go. And then Charlo just came in for the kill and just ended it there and they finally waved that one off the ref started to count again i can't believe he he was counting after what i just watched but like i said awesome fight tons of action and jermel charlo proves that he's lost one time he lost to tony harrison and then he came right back a year later and avenged that loss with a knockout and now you know he gets the draw last time against Castano, but you know, many say he lost. He comes right back and wins again by knockout. So he is now 
your undisputed four belt holder, five if you count the Ring Magazine belt at 154. And there's a couple of fun matchups kind of waiting there in the wings. But before we talk about the future for him, let's just talk about what he's been doing the last, you know, five, five, six years here. Basically, basically he won the title back in 2016. Uh, and then, you know, by the end of 2017, he's starting to face really good fighters. Erickson Lubin beats him. Austin Trout beats him. Loses that uh, decision loss to Tony Harrison, which I think people, if I can remember right, thought that was a little controversial. Comes back a year later. He has a, a fight in between, but comes back and knocks out Tony Harrison to win back his WBC title. Then unifies with Jason Rosario, wins two more titles. Then he has the two fights with Castano. So this dude's been getting it. Like, he's fighting real fighters. It's kind of amazing. He has a twin brother, Jermall. This is Jermel. His twin brother is Jermall, just an E and an A. Jermall's been a title holder at 160 for about the same period of time, and he never fights anybody interesting. He fights bums, personally. Honestly, I mean, I, I mean, I guess he's kind of been one of those guys waiting around trying to get the Canelo fight and get that Canelo paycheck, but it, his brother should take notes from him. Because this dude goes out and fights the best and ends up as undisputed. So the the one thing that was kind of a, a bummer, and again, it's it, it's it's so commonplace that it's stupid. But the scorecards at, at the time of stoppage show through nine rounds of scoring. The three scorecards were eighty four eighty seven. That's six rounds to three. Eighty three eighty eight. That's seven rounds to two, and then eighty two eighty nine. Not eight rounds to one, all in favor of Jermel Charlo. I wasn't scoring, scoring the fight, but kind of looking at it, 87-84 seems about right. I could I could get on 88-83. I mean, 7-2, you just kind of flip one round. I mean, and all the rounds were pretty close. I will say that. These were competitive rounds. Shots were flying. People were being affected by shots both ways. But 82-89... Just one round for Castano, and and punch stats don't tell the whole story, but Castano outlanded him in rounds three, four, five, six, and seven, and even in eight, outlanded him in nine. And now, I think uh, Charlo won round nine. I think Charlo won round eight, too. So, I mean, punch stats aren't everything, but, like, it just goes to show you that I don't think there was a, I don't know how you could get to nine rounds, eight rounds to one, rather, and say that that was a, a smart scorecard. So, just bad scorecards all around. Again, again. I mean, not all around. Glenn Feldman, mostly, who's supposed to be a, you know, trusted judge in, in boxing. So, yeah, just to wrap up the, the talk of Jermel Charlo here, um, what what's next for him? He's got a couple of mandatories lined up, Tim Zhu and then Sebastian Fundora. And I, for one, am all for the matchup with Sebastian Fundora. Sebastian Fundora is the 6'6 guy who fights at 154, likes to mix it up. I think that's a very fun fight. I think there's going to be some people going hitting the hitting the deck in that one. Um, and line that one up. I think that's the best one to make. So hopefully he keeps fighting dudes because he's been fighting dudes. I wonder with uh, Jamal Charlo kind of sneaking up to 168 kind of maybe for sure, kind of, sort of, if Jermel will go up to 60. I don't know if they'll do that, but very interesting thing to keep your eye on. Um, on the undercard was Jerron Boots Ennis, a young welterweight, 147-pounder. 
he starched the guy he was fighting. Uh, Castellano Clay or something like that. Just absolutely drilled him with a overhand right, right behind the ear, second round knockout. This guy is now uh, the mandatory for the IBF title that Errol Spence has. So, hey, maybe we can get Errol Spence Bud Crawford at the end of the year. There will surely be a rematch clause in that, I would have to imagine. So let's get Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, end of 2022, start of 2023, and then end of 2023, Jerron Boutsanis should be in line for a title shot there. So that would be uh, that would be the best there. I think this dude's the real deal. He's young. I've listened to a couple interviews. Seems to have a good head on his shoulder. Seems smart. This, you know, the ceiling is the roof with this guy, as the great Michael Jordan once said. And then in UFC, Jan Blokovic, uh, he won by KO. He should be uh, back in line for a title shot at light heavyweight in the UFC. So that uh, that should be a good one to keep an eye on. He's you know he's in usually in pretty decent fights. Uh, his, his fight with um, with uh, uh, Stylebender wasn't too great. He just kind of threw his weight around, but. Be interested to see if he gets right back in line for the title shot. So that wraps up the fight game this week. Let's talk some golf. What do you say? The Byron Nelson event was this weekend at, I believe it's Craig's Ranch in Texas. Fun event. Fun event. Fun watch on Sunday. Guys were going crazy low. Crazy low. Your winner, back-to-back champ, K.H. Lee, he fires rounds of 64, 68, 67, and then a Sunday 63 to give himself a back-to-back winner circle appearance, whatever you want to call it. He he won back-to-back events at the Byron Nelson. And uh, I know this was getting dragged a little bit by golf Twitter because people were going so low, but I don't care. I liked it. Like, I like mixing in when they go stupid low and shoot 25 under. I Like, that was fun. Like, they were making birdies all over the place. You had to kind of really keep track of the leaderboard. There were 12 guys who shot 20 or better. I, I thought it was fun. Do I need to see that every week? No. But at the same time, I don't need to see the U.S. Open every week where they're scraping around making pars and bogeys and shooting, you know, around even. So, fun tournament. A lot of good names in the mix. Xander Schauffele shot a uh, 61 on Sunday. Hideki Matsuyama shot 62. The 63 from KH Lee. A bunch of 64s. Justin Thomas was in the mix. Jordan Spieth. Scotty Scheffler had a good run on Sunday. Like It was just a fun tournament to watch. I enjoyed it. Like I said, golf Twitter was kind of ragging on it, but I don't care. Golf Twitter can be stuck up. I do have to say, KH Lee... Maybe one of my new favorite golfers. He he was say I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this quote. He said I want to be the number one golfer on tour, but I also want to be the number one sexy golfer on tour as well. So that was that was pretty funny. He also had this incredible incredible quote, and it goes end quote: "Being sexy means to be a muscular guy. It's in my dream, but not quite possible in reality. I want to be muscular." But I enjoy eating so much. For example, I try not to eat dinner if I have a big lunch. But when dinner time comes, I am usually hungry again. I will work out hard, but I will eat hard as well. I don't know if I've ever resonated more with what a golfer has said in my life than that right there. So, K.H. Lee, cheers to you. 
the back-to-back Byron Nelson winner. Uh, coming up this week, while we're talking golf, we got the PGA Championship heading to Southern Hills. Third time in this uh, this millennium that a major championship has been at Southern Hills. The 2001 U.S. Open, won by Retief Goosen, was there. And then the 2007 PGA, uh, PGA Championship that was won by Tiger was there. So, uh, a course with some, some major championship pedigree, if you will. It was redone in 2018. Gil Hance on the redo there. So, a little bit different course than what we saw then. I don't know the the gist of all the different redos. But, you know, your odds coming into it, Scotty Scheffler plus 1,100. Like, is that a guy you just got to ride with and just ride her till she bucks you or don't ride at all? Like, he looks to be in good form. Rom's at plus 1,200. Morikawa plus 1,400. Along with JT and Rory at plus 1,400. DJ plus 1,600. Cam plus 1,800. Cantlay and Havle plus 2,000. Like, that's your... That's your, your your typical list of what you're going to see. I will say, if you're going to bet somebody and take a flyer, what about my man Sung J.M.? Asian Nick Place, as I like to say. He's plus 5,000. I don't know why. I'm just getting a little feeling about him. Uh, might be something worth taking a look at. You know, throw a couple bucks down at plus 5,000. So... I think that uh, I think that's my my flyer bet to send your way, and I saw this tweet about the PGAs. The PGAs kind of get a rap sometimes. That, you know, they're the the fourth major. You know, they they get overshadowed by the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, um, excuse me, the Open Championship. Um, but the PGA has put together in the last you know twenty twenty three years here or so some great great tournaments. Go back to 99, Tiger and uh, Sergio. Sergio, you know, hits the ball from the tree with the eyes closed and does the scissor kick up the fairway. 2000, Tiger does that iconic, you know, back and forth with Bob May. Phil wins in 05, taps the plaque on, I believe that was a Monday finish. They went back out. Tiger goes back to back in 07, 07 and 06, one of 07 being at Southern Hills. 2009, Y.E. Yang kind of plays spoiler to Tiger. Tiger before that was 14 and 0 when he entered Sunday of a major with a lead. 2010, Keimer over Bubba in a playoff at Whistling Straits. That was the DJ Bunker incident year. 2014 at Valhalla, a really fun one where uh, it was Rory, Phil, and Ricky kind of coming down the stretch, and then they all finished in the dark. Rory like played up on 18. He's like, no, I'm finishing tonight. And he kind of got the feeling that Phil was trying to slow play him, so he'd have to come back out. He ends up finishing in the dark, basically hits into him. Nobody can see anything coming down the stretch. 2015, back at Whistling Straits. Jason Day wins. Jordan Spieth was in, you know, his year there at 2015. I think he finished, he won the Masters, won the U.S. Open, then finished second, just not second, he finished third, I think, at the British Open that year, just outside the playoff, and then second, at the PGA, 2017, uh, Justin Thomas wins. I think Kisner was in it with them down the stretch. 2018, Brooks Kepka wins. Tiger was making a run at it. 2020 was insane. It was there was at one point on the back nine, seven guys were were tied for the lead. That was the year that Morikawa hit driver to like five feet on I think it was the 16th hole and made eagle and ends up going on to win. And then last year, Phil at Kiowa. 
So the PGA's produced some great results over the last 20-some years. And I, with the way the U.S. Open is kind of locking itself into a rotation of courses, similar to the way the British does, where they've got you know five, six courses in a rotation, U.S. Opens might be a little bigger by the looks of it, but I mean, they've set up Oak, um, Oakmont, Pebble, Pinehurst, as kind of their anchor sites, I think is what they call them. I hope the PGA keeps spreading it around and like putting, you know, a bunch of different courses out there that uh, you get a lot of different shine on. So the PGA has been fun. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. I love major golf. And the last thing in the the golf world is uh, the PGA Tour denied exemptions to the first live golf event that was going to be happening in June over in England. There were plenty of people who put in for, I think they said 40 or maybe not quite for 25, 25 to 40, somewhere in that range. I can't remember the exact number people put in for exemptions to that. And the kind of logic was that the PGA tour may let them go over to England and do it. But then, you know, the big battle was going to be for the first time the live golf ran an event in America. And that was kind of going to be where the stand came, but they said, no, not happening. We're not giving out the the exemptions so very interesting to see where that all goes and we'll have to keep our eye on that but until then we're just uh in the words of uh you know steal a line from bill belichick we're on to the pga can't wait to see what happens and we'll definitely be uh following up with the results next week nba and nhl playoff time i guess i told you guys i was gonna watch some of that this past week and i did i watched a lot of the bucks and Celtics series they played three games this past week i watched Large portions of all of them. I watched almost all of Game 5. Game 5 was a great game. Giannis and Jason Tatum were going back and forth. Just balling out. The Bucks come back late to steal one. Looks like they're going to take, you know, momentum in the series. Drew Holiday with an incredible block late. And then ends up actually getting a steal at the end of the game to kind of kind of ice it. And then in game six and seven, Jason Tatum was just too much, man. Just apparently he's an absolute stud now. Just an absolute dude in the league. And Giannis just didn't have quite enough help around him. I guess they're really hurting without Chris Middleton. I guess he's very important to their team. They just didn't have a reliable second scorer to go to. Their second scorer that they were kind of turned to was Pat Connaughton. I just don't think that's enough. And then in Game 7, kind of the the big factor, the Celtics hit 22 threes. 22! The Bucks hit four. Four. That's not going to work. And that game kind of got a little out of hand. And uh, while we're speaking of games that got out of hand, the Mavs and the Celtics also played a Game 7. And the Mavs... Sorry, the Mavs and the Suns also played a Game 7. And the Mavs took the Suns to the woodshed. Just took them out back and beat them senseless. Up, down, left, right, all around. I turned the game on right at the start of the second half. And it was like 70-something to 30. Or I don't know what it was. It was it was a lot to a little. And I come to find out that Luka had scored 27 points in the first half. And that's exactly how many points the Suns had scored. So that's just just an absolute beatdown in a Game 7, a deciding game. The Suns were in the finals last year, I'm pretty sure. And the Mavs just blew them out of the water. 
Reggie Bullock I saw out there for the Mavs, former Tar Heel. But yeah, just I've never I don't know that I've ever seen a team lay an egg quite like that in a big game in the playoffs. Game seven nonetheless. I mean I guess I remember the Bulls beat the Utah Jazz really bad in game three in nineteen ninety eight. NBA Finals, but that wasn't a Game 7. Like, they just didn't even show up. That's going to be a tough one to swallow. I mean, Chris Paul finally gets kind of the monkey off his back and gets a deep playoff run, and then they followed up with this. Also, Chris Paul, apparently not great with 2-0 leads. He's lost five times with a 2-0 lead. Five times. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Two in the last two years. They were up 2-0 in the NBA Finals last year, I read, so... Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So the uh, the conference finals are set. Phoenix, uh, sorry, not Phoenix. They're obviously out. Dallas and Golden State out west, and then Miami and Boston in the east. So looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of Luca. It'll be uh, be nice to hopefully those games are on a little earlier. You know, they start those games so damn late. I'm such an old man. I go to bed early. Then over in the NHL, they're wrapping up their first round. There were five. Five game sevens this weekend. Three on Saturday, two on Sunday. Watched a lot of the uh, the Pens and the Rangers. I don't have a lot of analysis to give you. Like I said, hockey, moron. That's me. I'm the moron when it comes to hockey. I enjoyed it. It was a fun game. Playoff hockey's cool to watch, man. Crowds into it. People are going hard. Both the games on Sunday went to overtime. Rangers score a goal like four minutes into overtime to beat the Pens. You know, as a new Flyers fan, always good to see the Pens go home unhappy. And then uh, the, the Flames, Calgary Flames. I actually got the word okay that time. They beat the uh, the Stars in their Game 7. So the second-round matchups are set. Out in the West, you got the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. You got the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Then on the east, you got the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. And then and this is the series I'm really going to keep my eye on. I think this. I think the winner of the Stanley Cup comes out of this series. Again, don't take this to the bank because I'm an idiot. But Florida Panthers playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Florida Panthers, the new home for former Flyers captain Claude Giroux. I think the, uh, the winner of the Stanley Cup comes out of that, so... There you have it, boys and girls. There's my uh, thoughts on the NBA and the NHL playoffs. I will uh, I will keep my eye on these and still have more to come. NFL news time. The schedule's out. The NFL schedule has been released. It leaked, uh, what was it, Thursday last week? It leaked all day, and you know most of it was out by the time the official release came. So we're going to focus on the Packers here, obviously. The Packers, I looked at their schedule, you know, from an optimistic Glance, I'm seeing 12 and 5 is possible. 11 and 6, 10 and 7, I see is likely ish. 9 and 8 isn't out of the realm of possibilities, I don't think. Um it could be it could be weird. I don't know. The the big thing to kind of really keep your eye on on the Packers schedule. They have their first ever international game. They're going to London to face the Giants on October 9th. That's week 5. They do not have a bye after that game. They come back home and face the New York Jets, so at least they get a shit team following that game. 
But that, I mean, that's a lot to come right back and play, you know, right after that. Then for the next seven weeks up until their bye in week 14, they're on the road five of the next seven. They go to the Washington Commanders, who aren't bad. I don't think they're a bad team. Then they're at Buffalo in week eight. That's a tough game. I mean, I, I they're going to lose that game. There's no doubt in my mind. They're at Detroit. At least that's not a, a super tough game. Then they have Dallas at home, which could be a pretty solid team, I would imagine. Then they have the Titans at home. Again, another solid team. Then they're at the Eagles and at the Bears. So, in that stretch, they're at two what I think are going to be very good teams in the Bills and the Eagles this year. A team in the Commanders that I don't think is bad. And then their other two away games are divisional opponents. That's a tough stretch. That's a really tough stretch. If they can make it out of that, they can be all right. I mean, their opening, I mean, their first 13 weeks aren't easy. They open at the Vikings. That should be a winnable game, but it's at the Vikings and weird things happen up in Minnesota. Then the Bears come up to Lambeau for the Sunday night game. And then they're at Tampa Bay in week three. And then week four is the Patriots. Like, that's a tough opening slate before you even get to the London game and then all the shenanigans afterwards. So, real tough. And then it's no cupcake to finish. They have the Rams. That's Monday night. Then they go to Miami on Christmas. So, just weird. Like, short week, off Monday, traveling on Christmas, down to Miami, noon game. Who knows what happens there. Then they have Vikings and Lions at home to finish. At least they have two home games. That's, there's no gimmies, I don't think. Maybe the Giants and the Jets. The Giants and the Jets are the only gimmies. But then you're dealing with London and coming back from London. So their two easiest games of the year are wrapped up in a weird London travel shit. So, man, I, they better have it figured out. They better have it figured out, that's all I can say. So they have, uh, let's count it up. They got one. One two-night, two Sunday night games, a Thursday night game, a third Sunday night game, a Monday night game. And, you know, anything can be flexed in. And then they've got a couple of, uh, you know, late afternoon games, the the kind of the game of the week. Vikings in the first week, Bucks in the Bucks in the three, Patriots in week four is the late afternoon. Then they go through kind of a stretch before week ten where they go late afternoon. So, yeah, they're playing a lot of high-profile games, as you'd expect from a, a team that's good and has been winning the division and is a big a name as the Packers are. So it'll be I'll be very interested to see where the team goes from here. While we're talking the Packers, they just today it came out that they signed Jair Alexander to four years, $84 million. So he is now the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. We have the highest-paid cornerback and quarterback. Uh, little note I saw that the first draft pick by each of the last two GMs is now the highest played, highest paid position, uh, highest paid player in their position. Sorry, that was kind of a little tongue twister there. So yeah, Ted Thompson's first draft pick was Aaron Rodgers back in 05. He's now the highest paid quarterback. And Brian Gutenkutz's first draft pick was Jair Alexander, and he's now the highest paid cornerback. So fun little facts there. Um... Other NFL news, Josh Lambeau, 
is suing the Jags, stemming from the issues with uh, Urban Meyer. The tweet I saw, kicker Joshua Lambeau filed a lawsuit against the Jaguars, seeking $3.5 million plus damages for emotional distress. Lawsuit claims Lambeau struggled as a result of being kicked and verbally abused by former head coach Urban Meyer. I can't read that and not laugh. I don't know if it's because he is a kicker and he's getting kicked. The fact that Urban Meyer was just kicking players, apparently, is also fucking great. I I, I don't even know what to make of that. I'm not taking any sides. I'm just laughing at the whole, whole process of it. And... Uh, well, let's start with Brady because Brady inked a 10-year $375 million deal. For those of you who are bad at math, that's $37.5 million a year for 10 million, for, for 10 million years, for 10 years to talk about other people being bad at math. Yeah, $37.5 million a year to be the color guy for Fox. He will replace Troy Aikman. Him and Joe Buck have gone to ESPN for Monday Night Football. I think they said Kevin Burkhart is the guy they're they're tagging to be uh, the new play-by-play guy. And man, it's it's not until he retires that could be. I don't. I'm, I'm always think when they when these guys do that that they're going to retire the next year, like they're setting it up. I guess they'd been talking about it when he actually had retired, and then when he unretired, you know, not retire, unretire, send a dick pic. You guys remember the old Brett Favre video? Um, sorry. I'll, little tangent there so yeah so brady's got uh money in the bank waiting for him when he retires and uh, i saw a funny thing it's called the battle of the boost because there's been so much changing in who's calling games and they took an old wwe poster and and lined everybody up it's got you know buck and aikman they're now on monday night football Tarico and collinsworth are now the sunday night team Romo and Nance still at CBS. You got Amazon with Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Michaels, Al Michaels. I'm really excited for that one. I think Kirk Herbstreet's a really good uh, color guy with college. I'd be interested to see how that translates to the NFL. Al Michaels is, you know, one of the best to ever do it, so that should be fun. You got the Manning brothers doing the alternate Monday night. I'm very interested in how that's going to go now that the regular Monday night broadcast has like a real announced team to it. See how that all plays out. And then waiting in the wings, you got Brady and uh, Kevin Burkhart. I think they're talking uh, Greg Olson to be this year. So very interesting. I, I, I just love the, the battle of the boost little thing with all the WWE wrestlers. I'm just looking in here. It looks like uh, Aikman is CM Punk. Uh, Buck is wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin vest that has ESPN on it. Chris Collinsworth seems to be, looks like Kurt Angle. Tariko is The Rock. Who is, I can't, oh, uh, Romo is The Miz, yep. Romo is The Miz, who else we got on here? Nance is Randy Orton. <laughs> Kirk Herbstreit is definitely John Cena, but... Peyton Manning is also John Cena. Can't tell about Al Michaels or Eli. Brady is Batista. So, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, otherwise, in the NFL, nothing nothing of note. I mean, everybody's got their schedule. So, I love the NFL. I can't wait. I was just reading through all the schedules and looking at all this stuff. 
It's I love the NFL. I can't wait for it to be back. And that was just a just a little teaser. And now we still got you know four months to wait. So I'm sure there will be more NFL news to talk about. And when that comes up, we will talk about it. Time for some passing thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to start with this one. Sam Howell has apparently never had steak, burgers, or seafood, and allegedly brings his own chicken fingers to team dinners. And basically the list of food he eats is fried chicken in one way, shape, or form. Breaded and fried chicken. Chicken fingers, chicken strips, chicken sandwiches. Like, could you imagine never having a burger or a steak? I mean, I'm sure he's never had tacos then too, right? Like, a good skirt steak, flank steak, taco, some cheese and guacamole, and some sour cream, and some pico. Oh, burgers? A good burger? I mean, there's all sorts of burgers. You can go a bacon and blue burger. A cowboy burger with the onion ring and the barbecue sauce. Your good old-fashioned American cheeseburger. A little mayo, ketchup, lettuce, onion, bam. I mean, I just I just can't get over it. So so there's that. I don't know how I missed this one. I should this should have came up last week. But in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, there's been a lot of weird shit coming out of that. She likes to take dumps on his bed. But the thing I'm really talking about, there's a video out of her doing a bump of coke on the stand. I mean it's allegedly. I mean nothing is can be proven there. But she's doing coke on the stand. Like she's holding her little finger up and like and then she's like wiping her nose and like she did coke on the stand. I don't know anything else about the trial really, but on that basis alone Johnny Depp should probably win. When the person, you know, you're going up against is doing coke on the stand, the other person wins like automatically. Let's just write that into the constitution. If you're going up against somebody and they do coke on the stand in the middle of the trial, they lose, you win. Speaking of coke, I think there was a lot of coke going around in the uh, the Showtime Lakers. I finished up Winning Time. Last episode was the only one I had left. It's a good show. I like it. I'm excited for you know season two if they do it. But the episodes with like games and stuff, it. it it's the least interesting to me, I think. And I think they're going to play more into like the team stuff. I think the most interesting stuff so far from that... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It all happened. The Lakers win the title in, in 1980, by the way. Um, but I think the most interesting stuff out of that is the stuff with Jerry Buss, John, John C. Riley, his, react, like his dealings with the team and buying it and whether or not he could afford it, what, what they needed to happen. His, you know, his daughter... The dealings with, like, the coach controversy. Like, that's by far the most interesting. The stuff with the players and what happens on the court, it's okay. It, it It's okay. Like, if I want to watch basketball, I'll just watch basketball. I don't need to watch a TV show, like, show me an old basketball game. So. But, all in all, good show. If you like basketball at all, I'd recommend it. Even if you don't... It, the basketball doesn't bog you down for the most part. There's a couple episodes where it gets basketball heavy. They're, you know, like I said, my least favorite episodes, but they're not terrible. 
some outside stuff, outside around the house. I, I'm getting allergies. I've developed allergies later in life. I, my eyes get really itchy and like I want to and scratchy. And I just want to claw them out. I never had allergies in life, so that sucks. But uh, yeah, so so uh, why I said these should pair together? I I've started. It's lawn mowing season. You got to mow your yard now. I love mowing my lawn. I don't know why, but I do. Just seeing the fresh cut lawn at the end of a, a good mow. You get out there, you get a sweat on, it's hot, dripping out. You finish up, you go in, you crack a beer. Oh, there's just something American about that. Then my dog comes outside when I mow, and he just lays down in the fresh cut part, you know, because he knows I'm not going back there. Nothing more beautiful than a beautiful yellow lab laying on a fresh cut yard. And you go in and you have a nice stone cold Steve Austin beer. Just beautiful. Uh, those beers were have been hard to find lately. I went to like six different stores when I was out and about for my work travels, and nobody could find them. I finally tracked them down. I really like them. Good. I like the IPA. The uh, the lager is really good too. So I, I would check them out if you're a beer drinker. Also planted my garden while we're talking outdoor stuff. Got a couple raised beds. Um, big time now, as they may say. We got some jalapenos going, some green peppers. We have uh, some little mini peppers, little mini bell peppers and big bell peppers going. Got some basil. Doing some cucumbers this year. Haven't done cucumbers before. We'll see how that goes. Then we got all sorts of uh, different herbs. Herbs, however you like to say it. We got some chive, cilantro, something else. The roommate's in charge of the the herbs. I like the, uh, the actual plants. Love the jalapenos. Use a lot of jalapenos. Use a lot of basil too, uh, so I always love love planting season. Uh, working on making my, I've got some plans. I think I'm gonna make another raised bed for myself. Only have two, looking for more. But also, good to come in after you've planted your garden and have a beer. You know, it's it it, it it's the time of year where it's good to just have a nice beer outside. Like there's nothing. I, I love just sitting on my deck after I've put in a. A good lawn session, a good garden session, beautiful weather. Just have a beer, relax, and enjoy the outside. Nothing, nothing quite like it. As far as beers go, deck beers are a great beer. You know what another kind of great beer is? A shower beer. Like you're getting ready to go somewhere, go out. You know you're going to be having some beers with the boys. Or you know maybe you're going out to uh, Friday fish frying and the roommate's driving. You, you have that shower beer getting ready. There's just nothing quite like a shower beer. I was introduced to shower beer by uh, a good college friend of mine back in the day by the name of Pat Fitch. He uh, he told me, he said, you, you ever have a shower beer? I said, I never have. He said, try it out sometime. It's a great experience. Have a shower beer. Oh, oh, oh. I've So traveling, now that we're post-mask era of airlines and things like that, the thing that miffs me more than anything... Like, if people wear masks, that doesn't, you know, I get it. Whatever. But the thing that blows my mind is the people who wear masks and then wear them wrong. Like, what are you wearing the mask for? Like, why wear a mask and then have it on your chin? Just don't wear the mask. You don't have to wear the mask. Or wear the mask and have it, like, down below your nose. I don't get it. You don't have to wear it. Why are you half-assing it? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Makes no sense to me. No sense. Other uh, watches I've been doing started to uh, 
rewatched The Last Dance. I'm three episodes in. Holy shit, is that a good... Actually, I just started the fourth. That is such a good series. Like, I'm a Michael Jordan lover, so, like, I'm I'm predispositioned to like it probably a little more than everybody else. But holy shit, how good is that? Like, they start off in the first episode talking about... Like, the first thing they're talking about is, like, blowing up the team after 97. It's like, you just won back-to-back titles. I think they went 72 and 10 and then like 69 and 13. And they're like, yeah, let's blow it up. What? Just mind blo- mind blowing. I also love when they do the huddle and they're like, game time. Whoo! I don't know. That gets me jazzed up. And then in the first episode, they're showing, you know, they're they're introducing the team for the ring ceremony and like the, the Bulls intro music and then from North Carolina, 6'6", oh, six, six, Michael Jordan. And, then, like, the music's playing. God, that just gets – I'm watching. I'm like, I could get out there. I could go run up and down the court, make a few J's, back somebody down in the post, hit a little fadeaway. I'm delusional. Couldn't do it right now. But, God damn, I think I could. I think I could. And uh, Dennis Rodman is – uh, just a treasure of a person just an absolute treasure dude went on a vacation in the middle of the season for like five days and mj had to go yank him out of a hotel room with carmen electra in vegas he'd just been out there partying ripping kamikaze shots on the roulette table just partying it up with carmen electra in the fucking mid 90s what an american hero that guy is dyed hair pierced all over tattooed out just out there diving into bleachers and shit he said you know i need a break coach i've been really pulling my weight on this team i need a break oh good god so i also saw a tweet and i'm gonna read it so i don't butcher it it was someone tweeted about golf it said uh well if i can get it pulled up here it was the premise is that when you hit the green okay here we go golfers after you hit the green your first order of business is to look and see if you made a ball mark. If you did, fix it. If you didn't, look for another ball mark and fix it for the idiot who didn't. That's it. That's the tweet. I can't agree more. It's not hard to fix a ball mark. Just make it a goal. Fix two ball marks every time you play golf. Two goal, two ball marks per hole. I don't care if you didn't hit the green. If you see one, fix it. There's way too many ball marks at every green. Don't be that jackass who leaves ball marks. Just don't be that guy. You're not that guy. Yeah, so just fix your fucking ball marks. It's really not hard. Speaking of golf, golf's annoying. Of course I play. Front nine's a tougher nine by far. Like, you just got to get through the front nine. Like, for a golfer, my, my caliber, like, if I can get through the front nine and break 40, like, I can put a decent round together. Because the back nine's gettable. Like, so you think to yourself, even if you shoot 40, you're like, man, I can shoot even 1-2 over on the back nine. Like, that's not out of control. 78, and you know, that's respectable. But, man, if you break, if you shoot, like, 38, which I did the other day on the front nine, great round. Made a couple birdies to get myself there. And I go out and lay an egg on the back nine and shoot 40 out back. Can't, uh, just, it, it eats at you. The night, the day before, I'd shot 37 out back. I couldn't just paired that 37 with the 38. 75, that's a good round. Can't do that because I'm an asshole and golf's stupid. 
I'll be back next weekend though. A couple times this week too when I get you know get the chance late night. Yes. Uh, other sport related thing. Uh, the Reds, Cincinnati Reds, they threw a no hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They lost one to nothing. Let me say that again. Cincinnati Reds threw a no hitter. And lost. Nobody for the P- Pittsburgh Pirates registered a hit, and they won the game one nothing. So there's that. That I mean, that's impressive. I mean, the uh, apparently the Pirates were dealing on the mound too. That game must have been a joy to watch. Just an absolute barn burner. You know. And and speaking of, uh, I don't know if we're speaking of idiots, but let's let's talk about some idiots. We're going to start. Mike Florio, the guy who runs Pro Football Talk. Pro Football Talk is the uh, the Twitter account he runs too. It's like PFT. He tweeted. He His tweet said, trying this again, I need to give Steak Twitter something to chew on. Wagyu strip, 18 ounce. And then he put uh, two fire emojis, a cow emoji, and then a skull and crossbones emoji. I, I encourage you guys to look this up. Because this steak, apparently it's Wagyu, is what he's saying, which means he paid a bunch of money for it, probably like 100 bucks for an 18-ouncer. He's got the outside, he's got it on a, a grill, which, don't do steaks on a grill. There's better ways to do it. So he's got the outside cooked very well, like very well done, like crisped up. And I like a good crispy outside, like the outside needs to be crisp. So he's got that done. But then he's got the thing where it's like the ring. Where the, like the, you know, an inch all the way around. Not an inch, maybe. You know, whatever it is. A ring all the way around. Like, well done. Like, too far done. And then the middle is like, raw. And I know this because he has the steak cut open. Cut in half on a grill. I've thought this guy was an idiot for a long time. That, that proves it. Like, don't, uh, like, he just butchered that steak. I mean, it's raw in the middle, and it's going to be shoe leather on the outside. I mean, to get that to edible, it's it, it's going to take, uh, it, it's just fucked. It's just a total waste of a steak. And I said, don't grill your steaks. So, people, if you're going to grill your steaks, here's what you do. Reverse sear them first. Do the reverse sear. In the oven at, like, 250 Bring it up to about 10 to 15, 5 to 10 to 15 degrees short of the temperature you want. And then what you should do is sear it on a cast iron pan is the best. Sear both sides for like two minutes and then boom, done. Like you do all the work slow, raise the temperature, get it cooked all the way through, and then bam, quick sear, you're done. Or, you know, go to a flat top. Or if you want to sear it on the grill afterwards, if you like that grill marks and stuff like that, still, like, bring it up. But don't do do not do what Florio did. Like, that's just, that's a disaster, man. I'm not surprised, though. That guy's an idiot. Speaking of idiots, leeches, pieces of shit. Saw this tweet. Referencing Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. One is the, you know, Senate minority leader, I think McConnell is, and then Pelosi's the House majority leader. 
both of their salaries are one hundred ninety three thousand four hundred dollars a year. I think that's actually up a little bit. I think they're up over two hundred now. Nancy Pelosi's net worth is one hundred ninety six million dollars. McConnell's net worth is fifty four million dollars. That's absurd for making $200,000 a year. I know they've been in Congress forever and they've been stacking 200, 200, 200, 200, you know. But her net worth is 196 million. His is 54? The tweet goes on to say, like it or not, they both play for the same team. Neither party is on your side. They're on the side of getting themselves rich. I couldn't agree more. Congress and the government in general just fuck over the regular people all day long doesn't matter republicans democrats they they don't like you they don't care about you they just want to make some money do some insider trading get rich have a little power and call it a day so just think about that next time you defend one of them so bad and we all do it like we all agree with one side a little more than the other and depending on the issue we may be you know we may fall right in line with them but just remember at the end of the day they hate you, and they don't give a shit either. So that's all I got for passing thoughts. Let's go wrap this thing up. Closing time, everybody. want to thank everybody. I, I, I say it all the time. I really appreciate you guys. I, I, I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. We'll be back next week. We got the PGA to cover. As always, passing thoughts. NBA and NHL playoffs continue. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. Trying to trying to think of some different stuff to do. I was trying to line something up. I don't know if it's gonna. It didn't seem to work out this week. We might be able to pull pull it off next week. Just some different conversations. Just may not even have a point. But um, looking to do something a little more off the wall. Sports is great and all, but you know we're running into some lean times of sports coming up here. So again, I appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Until then, peace.